listeners to the very first episode of Dead and Lovely, your new favorite horror movie review podcast here with Ben. And Steve. That's Steve. You guys may know me otherwise as Uncle Ben if you've tuned into my YouTube channel and watched my Guitar Lesson Series videos like Weekend Wank Shop or This Is Why You Suck at Guitar, which critics have called mildly amusing and slightly informative. Steve, where might they know you from, you, you Hollywood bitch? Um, people might know me from perhaps me having taught them English composition at the University of Tennessee or Pellissippi State Community College in Knoxville. Mm. Or they might know me from uh, doing some stand-up around town in uh in hollywood here you've come at them kids learning that's true that's true i've come at them kids learning so me and steven it it may very well appear that we started this podcast here merely for fame and fortune but i really think that it's just an excuse for us to hang out and uh chat and giggle like the little schoolgirls that we were whenever we met in community college, whenever Stephen still lived with me here in East Tennessee. We went to college together and uh, immediately started just giggling and laughing and, and cutting up and having generally a great old time and have stayed in touch ever since then, even after Stephen moved out to the West Coast, California, because he heard there was gold in them there hills. And there is. I, I'm going to find it, okay? Have you found any gold in the hills yet? No, well, look, okay, I mean, there are hills. Yeah. And, and there is the expression, there's gold in them, there are hills. Yeah. So, it, I'm gonna find it. I remember whenever we had that history class together in college, and the professor was talking about how early settlers heard there was gold in them hills, and then you immediately stood up, left your books and your backpack and stuff in the classroom, and headed out to the West Coast. You had a look and in I your had, eyes that was just gold fever. Uh-huh. And I already had a pickaxe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you've been walking around with that pickaxe and that gold pan ever since I met well, you. Well, I, I was ready. I mean, all I needed to know was where the gold was. Yeah. So generally, I kind of think that this podcast is more or less just an excuse for us to have a reason to get together every couple of weeks and uh, spend some good quality time together talking and chatting and so forth but then as a little bonus for you guys you guys get to hear us go over a horror movie that we have just watched sometimes it'll be new flicks sometimes it'll be older stuff i'd say typically it'll be stuff that you can find on the interwebs and streaming to watch we're going to go through it and kind of break it down and give you a little review ski while we cut up and have ourselves a little bit of a good old time so steve in order to let these beautiful folks get to know you a little bit better why don't you why don't you just tell me a little about yourself and tell me how maybe you first got into watching some scurry movies? Uh, well, I, growing up, had uh, a mother and an no. aunt, an uncle. No. Yeah, I did. I don't believe it. <laughs> and they uh, they apparently felt that it was okay for children to watch whatever movies they wanted to watch. I like them. Um, and from a very early age, I was already drawn to the box art on horror movies. Yeah. Um, so we would rent horror movies all the time, my cousins and I, and just have horror movie marathons. 
Uh, so I, I've been watching horror movies since I was in my very early days. Um, I really don't know what it was from that time that drew me to horror movies. Mm -hmm. I, I think, though, that maybe it's because I have such extreme anxiety mm -hmm. yeah. that watching the worst case scenario mm -hmm. actually makes me feel better. It's it makes like, me well, feel like, eh, at, at least everything else being, is okay. Right, yeah, it's like, well, I'm not being chased by the Kruger here, so it could be worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a pretty good way to look at it. Yeah. How about yourself, Ben? Well, you know... The funny thing is, is I would call myself definitely a late bloomer to the entire horror movie thing because as a child, I was strictly verboten from watching such uh, such insidious, nasty things. But kind of like what you're saying there, I remember always being in the video store, likely renting a NES or Super NES game, and uh, walking up to the counter and seeing all these awesome-looking horror movie uh, boxes. Because back in the day, back in the day of the video store rental, that that movie box was kind of like really what drew you in. Um, oh yeah, to renting those things. So I would walk Absolutely. by the shelves and see the boxes for like Hellraiser and Child's Play and all these other ones that like I was totally not allowed to watch. And I would just kind of like imagine how cool that stuff must have been, or like what possibly could have been going on inside of those movies. Uh, but I never I really got love... to watch any of them. I would love to hear young Ben, uh, like, just pitch what Child's Play was from the box. <laughs> That's the podcast that, like, really needs to exist, is just, like, showing a little kid the box of a horror movie and being like, all right, elaborate on this. Just expand. What do you think this could be about? I think there's a little doll, and I don't know. He but has a knife. I don't get it. If you asked a young, homeschool, bowl-cutted Ben Eller what <laughs> that was likely about, I'd say that he would actually probably be like, I'm not related to you. I don't know how to speak to you. Mm. <laughs> As a child, I used to say, mm, all a lot. the time. All yeah. the time. So yeah. it was only that really after sense. I got out of the house... Um, and started seeing a girl that I was able Ooh. to uh, start watching some of these horror movies. And I really, really dug it right away. I think partially because it was so taboo and forbidden around the house and stuff. But I've just really been into it ever since then. But as a result of the fact that I didn't grow up with this stuff, there are huge gaps in my viewing habits of horror movies. Like, there's a lot of yeah. classic-ass stuff that I have never seen. Like, I've never seen The Exorcist. And that's the kind of yeah. thing that I think will be really fun uh, on this podcast, is to hear the reactions of a grown-ass man <laughs> watching The Exorcist for the first time and probably being yeah. very upset. Do you have, a, uh, do you have a, a favorite horror movie that comes to mind when I say favorite horror movie, Stephen? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. TCM. Is... Yep. The um, remake, right? The remake? <laughs> yep. Love Jessica Biel. Uh <laughs> Uh, no, of course, the original and uh, um, The Shining. Those are two of my favorite movies of yeah. all time, but uh, absolutely my two favorite horror movies. Right, dude. The Shining is absolutely my favorite horror movie, and like you said, also just one of my one of my favorite movies of any genre. Period. Yeah. Absolute, absolute masterpiece. I'll never forget the first time I watched that. It was like watching my nightmares come to life. It's so sick. I love that one. I really. 
I love the original Halloween, just Halloween 1. That's just such oh, a yeah. fun, festive movie to me. That's one that I'll never really quit watching. <laughs> I love it. That's, all of these we'll do on the show eventually, but today Halloween for the first Halloween is um, festive. It is. It's a festive movie. But for the, uh, for the flagship episode of the show, we decided to go with a movie that neither of us have ever seen. It's also the uh, first movie by this director that any of us have ever seen. It is Phenomena by Dario Argento. That's right. And Phenomena. So this, and you'd never seen any other Argento movie, right? I have not. I've avoided Dario Argento uh, just seeing stills from Dario Argento films made me feel like perhaps um, there was something going on that was a bit strange that I wouldn't like. Something I generally unsavory. like strange movies, but I don't know. Uh, the bright If you look at any stills from his movies, there's a lot of bright red sort of pinkish blood, and mm. it seemed like maybe it was too over the top for me. Right. It seemed borderline un-American. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and his first name, Dario, that's not a name. Oh, my God. Do they not even make <laughs> real names over there? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I'd never watched any before either. Um, I know that Suspiria is one of those apparently just, you know, I see that on the list yeah. of like top ten horror movies all over the place. So I know yeah. that that's one that I definitely need to watch. And you too, apparently, since this is the first one that we've both seen. Yeah, yeah. I, and now I will because uh, – I really liked this movie. Yes, absolutely the same here too. So before we started getting into the movie, where did you uh where were you able to watch this film, Steve? Well, I bought it online, I bought a Blu-ray quality download. Mm-hmm. Um and it looked beautiful. Yeah, man. I watched it How on an app for the Roku that's called Popcorn Flicks. It was a um Free app, P O P C O R N F L I. I can't remember if it's F L I X or C K S. I'm sure you could Google it and you'll find out either way. But it was a free sure. app that we downloaded on the Roku, and it has all kinds of free flicks and TV shows and stuff on there. It's pretty awesome. With the little catch that there are ads. It's like once you watch every, maybe every ten or fifteen minutes, you'll get a minute or two worth of ads. Okay. Um. Which is very bearable. It's free. And the selections and stuff that are on there is stuff that you can't really find on other streaming services. They got some deep cut stuff. They got a lot of stuff I definitely want to use for the show, too. So it's definitely worth yeah, you checking told, out. Yeah, you told me about this the other day, and I went on there and started looking through, and I found a, a film I'd never even heard of called Microwave Massacre. So <laughs> can't wait to that one out. You know that's going to be good. Yeah, absolutely. But there's a bunch of good-looking stuff on there. Like I said, they'll they'll roll a couple of ads every you know ten minutes, fifteen minutes, or something like that, which is is great if you're like me and you like to get up and get a little, just a little tug on that old whiskey bottle every now and then while you watch a flick, <laughs> or perhaps grab a refreshing Lacroix flavored seltzer water. So very good app. Again, you can get it for free. I looked online, and you can actually just stream it off their website, but it's a totally different selection of movies. So that's interesting. Oh, well, there you go. So the movie opens up with a beautiful view of the Swiss mountains and a bus loading up a bunch of tourists on it. This movie is gorgeous. Yes. It's so, so beautiful. Uh, It's so well shot. I mean, that is is a, a hallmark of the giallo 
uh, genre mm-hmm. of of horror films from Italy. Uh, but it, it's just so well shot. Yeah, the first shots of it with the the mountains and the landscapes and stuff kind of gave me that that shining sort of feel where like the environment yeah. is bigger yeah. than anything. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. So we see some tourists getting loaded onto a bus, and a girl gets left behind and she's shouting to the people on the bus and stuff she gets left behind and she ends up walking towards this house what was in that house there steve um well in that house um there was something that was chained up yeah uh and as as she walked around the house trying to find someone that thing got very excited and eventually ripped the chains out of the wall uh, and as she was inside the, whatever it is, we don't, we don't see it. Yeah. Um, wraps the chains around her and tries to strangle her, but she's, she gets away. Everything's going to be all right. Right. So you think, but no, it's not going to be all right because in this scene, um, we see a pair of scissors fall and stick into the floor mm-hmm. and, and there's a there's this sort of loving close-up shot they're very the shiny very chrome very chrome uh and then uh whatever it is that's chasing this girl picks up the scissors and as she's trying to uh get attention or escape through the window uh she's stabbed through the hand with the the scissors which looks and, awesome yeah it looks great um, <clears throat> she pulls those out. She gets away. Uh, she's running through, I don't know, some sort of uh, gorgeous sidewalk that's set up around a waterfall. It's like a mountain pass. It's a very yeah, strange it's, feature for home. Yeah. Um, and she's being chased and eventually comes to what I guess is like an observation right. spot that has uh, a glass window between... A little rock alcove and and the waterfall <laughs> and at this point she gets stabbed with the scissors and her head for whatever reason breaks the glass behind her i loved and, that shot it's like in yeah, super slow-mo and her head recoils backwards through the glass and then like where you kind of expect the shot to end, it keeps going, and you see the glass yeah. like falling onto her face, which is yeah. sick. This movie has a lot of... <clears throat> they do a lot of things very practically. I'm, I'm assuming that sugar glass, but sugar glass can still cut you. Right. And, and when I saw that, that glass fall down <clears throat> on her face, it, it hits. Like, there's like a... a palpable sort of impact and then just sort of falls <laughs> yeah. down forward it doesn't it does not crumble it, it just hits it looks unsavory it looks like something i yeah. wouldn't want to experience no not at all and then we see the waterfall rushing along and her dang old head flops into that water steve she's been plum decapitated um <laughs> someone has removed her head from her body with and with a scissor that must have been very 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 difficult to do but she is presumed deceased after having her head removed. I assumed anyway. <laughs> yeah, I. You know what? And I think, from what I saw, movie tends to move with the idea that she died. 
And so then after that, that awesome, uh, that awesome intro, which also has some killer soundtrack, the soundtrack throughout the movie by Goblin and other supporting artists uh-huh. that we'll talk about as we get there is absolutely sick. Really sets the tone. So after that intro, we are uh, introduced to a monkey walking around outside <laughs> of a house that contains none other than uh, Dr. Loomis of Halloween fame, who I am just going to call Loomis, because as far as I know, that's who he'll always be. So Loomis is in a wheelchair, yeah. and he's in there talking to some, some detectives, right? Yeah. And they're talking about I'm... bugs and how bugs can help you solve crime scenes based on how long it takes for a maggot to hatch in a corpse and and all that sort yeah, it's of thing. Real CSI stuff. Oh, yeah. And then the monkey comes uh-huh. into the house, and that monkey's got a scalpel. <laughs> he totally does. And we, we discovered that this monkey... Um, has an interest in shiny things, yeah. I guess, that uh, will later prove to be uh, very important in the story. The monkey apparently has an attraction to very stabby things. Yes, yes it does. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we're treated to Loomis's very, very, very temporary Irish accent where he rolls a single R in a sense. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, wait, excuse me. Is he Scottish? Yeah, he's Scottish. He's not Irish. He's Scottish. Not that you could tell. (laughs) No, no. He he sort of lets that go pretty quickly, I think. He uses that laser pointer. He has like a really primitive laser pointer, which is this huge remote control looking rig that he points the stuff and the monkey will go get the stuff with the uh, laser pointer. I'm saying monkey. I'm sure that it's It's not a monkey. It's a chimp. It's a chimp? All right. So it's a chimp. Yeah. They're all monkeys to me. I don't know. Yeah, they're all monkeys. (laughs) <laughs> so as the uh, as Loomis is talking with the detectives, he unveils this disgusting, rotten, severed head he has in a box sitting right there on the table with him, which <laughs> must have smelled putrid. Yeah, and, and we find out as he's talking about it that it's been what, uh, like four and a half months. I, I, believe, I have eight months so, down. It's a it's an old head, eight month old oh, head. Eight months, they said. Okay, and. And it's covered in maggots. Not looking fresh. No. Oh, my God. It would have... I mean, in reality, it would have to smell so bad. But also, bugs are gross. Yeah. They're, like, really gross. Yeah. And this movie has a ton of them. Yeah. And so then, at at that point, he talks about how... uh, I'm not exactly sure what the relationship is. I believe that she was an assistant of his or something like that. But he talks about how uh, Rita has been missing, which I believe is his assistant. It's never really referred to exactly in the movie, but he references her several times. Oh, so. I, I think he does say later when he first meets mm-hmm. Jennifer Connelly, who, mm-hmm. surprise, is our heroine, mm-hmm. um, that, that, yeah, Greta was his assistant. Right, okay, so she's gone missing. Yeah. And so after that, we're treated to a shot of old Jennifer Connelly, who very conveniently is named Jennifer in the movie. It does help. And her last name is Corvino, so it's not very far off. (laughs) Right. And she's in a car, and she's with uh, the lady who will be referred to as Frau. Uh, Her name is Frau something or another. Bruckner? Yeah, Bruckner. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'll refer to it from here out as Frau. So she's in the car with Frau and a driver, and they're being driven towards her new school. And so the Frau is kind of giving her a little bit of background. She refers to where they're going as the... Swiss Transylvania. 
They talk a little bit Which, about how Jen's dad is famous. Yeah, what's with the Swiss Transylvania? Yeah, I, I, like you that sets up the expectation that there's going to be a vampire, right? I guess so. And they they mention it several times throughout the movie. There's actually a lot of things throughout this movie that they keep mentioning that you sort of expect to be important, and they really uh, aren't, which I think is very strange and interesting. Yeah, that that um, I mean, my primary problem with this movie is the dialogue and yeah there's so much stuff said that is uh, unnecessary or never comes back um and, and some of it might pique your interest a bit too much and make you start thinking about something completely different like for instance when they call it the swiss transylvania right and uh, throughout the course there, we also find out that Jen is the daughter of some famous... Uh, what is it that he does? Is he an actor, I believe? He's an actor. His name is Paul Corvino. Paul Corvino. And that is not a real person, so thank God. <laughs> what a bunch of bullshit in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, a bee flies in the car, at which point Frau and the driver both just completely flip their shit as though they were like five-year-old kids. <laughs> and this this is also where we discover that the actress who plays Frau um, is not great. <laughs> she really uh, she really isn't. <laughs> but it kind Her, of fits I, in with I, everything else in the movie, which is so surreal and strange, and like not really yeah. how people act. So in a way, it no. almost blends, but it makes no yeah. sense. Her and the the driver about runs the damn car off the road over a bee. Yeah, and uh, Jen saves it. She she captures a bee in her hands, and Frau is like, "Don't touch it. It's it's the worst thing ever in the world." And Jen's like, "I love insects, all of them, and they love me." And then we're it gets a little close up shot of the bee, and we're introduced to the sound effect that apparently all bugs in this universe make, which is a uh-huh. it sounds like a squeaky wheel on a shopping cart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. That is the sound all bugs make in this movie. It's the whole movie. And so they arrive at the at the school, which, okay, did you catch the narration going on whenever she arrived? That, okay, that was weird. <laughs> Suddenly, out of nowhere, we get a narrator yeah. who t- tells us what we just learned yeah. in the car. Um. And, and then the narrator never comes back. No, you don't. You only realize it, you know, after you've already watched the entire movie through once that there was absolutely no reason for that narration, and it has nothing no. to do with the rest of the movie. And that narration, I think maybe they. I think maybe because I. I think the Frau actress, her her actual problem is I don't think she speaks English, mm-hmm. so her line delivery seems kind of just phonetic. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe they thought that everything didn't get through in that scene. Like, maybe we didn't understand everything she said. Right. And so they have this very freaking voice, then just repeat everything that was said. I love that the narration voice also said, Jen arri- or Jennifer arrives from the new world. <laughs> As though, like, <laughs> America was just discovered. <laughs> it's like, this was made in 19... 19- <laughs> 85? <laughs> it's like, I don't think America had been the new world for quite some time by then. <laughs> I think that is 
that is something that apparently, I, again, I have never seen a Jello movie, but I I started reading up on the genre, mm-hmm. and that's, uh, I guess, kind of the idea behind a lot of the the female protagonists in these movies is mm-hmm. that they're usually foreigners. Okay. Uh, so maybe they're trying to play up the foreignness. Right, stranger in a strange land, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so we uh, we get to where Jen is in her in her dorm room there with her roommate who is smoking a cigarette, which uh-huh. is not something you can really put in movies anymore. So that's cool. Yeah, uh, she's so French. Now they kind of go to chat a little bit, and old Jen's hungry. So what does Jen get to eat here? <laughs> oh, well, of course. The, what would you want but baby food? Um, I don't understand why they decided on this but baby food she eats baby food and we learned she's a vegetarian so yeah so that's what i understand at all here is her roommate sophie she describes how her family and her baby brother have just been to visit and it's like why would her family leave baby food with her (laughs) i mean overall why do we need this scene at all of her eating baby food and talking about how she's a vegetarian they make like a really strong point of pointing that uh-huh. out and it's like oh maybe that'll be important later it isn't yeah it, it's not i think it i think it establishes something about her character that you know maybe makes her more like an insect but in, insects i guess do eat meat so never mind yeah i have no idea why <laughs> this is in this movie she eats it off of the end of a toothbrush too which i think is very strange <laughs> and clever so the headmistress walks in, who has no name other than headmistress. Yeah, though she's she's got that uh, sexy librarian thing going on. She looks uh, like she just like escaped off of the set of like a a, a Robert Palmer video. <laughs> she does. Yeah. So they had just finished Sledgehammer, and <laughs> so she she got this role. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it, she comes in. She doesn't seem to to like our our little Jennifer at all. She tells um, her to put away that poster of her own dad that she was about to hang up. Yeah, and <laughs> two problems here. One, why does she have a poster of her own dad? And, and oh, then no. after after she takes it, she says she's got a bag full of them. Yeah. <laughs> what? And and then also, but why does she take the poster? I, I don't get. You know she what, immediately though, doesn't like Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> maybe what we don't get is that Jennifer Connelly, like me, like maybe she was homeschooled, and so that the only people that she actually knew were like her mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> so she was just like, I'm my dad's biggest fan. Like, that's all she yeah. had, you know? But then we find out, in fact, that Sophie is her dad's biggest fan. Yeah, she knows all about her. To to prove it, yeah, she she tells... She gives us this long exposition that tells us Jennifer Corvino's background, mm-hmm. which she then says that she read in a magazine. I don't know what magazine it was. I'm thinking I'm Tiger assuming, Beat. though, it was Boring Personal Information Weekly. <laughs> Who cares monthly? <laughs> yeah. And Jennifer tells her about the story about why her mom left her and her dad for her lover and yada yada. So she's kind of given this heartfelt exposition, which actually 
Connolly's throwing around some chops on there. Like, actually, oh, yeah. she does a, a really great job. Acts very yeah, naturally, is, very good. This her is hair. only her third acting job. Wow. Uh, she is 14 in this, and she is great. Yeah, and her hair is mad shiny. Oh, my God. It's so shiny. <laughs> and so after she gives this little speech about why her mom left and stuff, Sophie's like, yeah, there's a murder on the loose that kills girls. And Jen's like, yeah, anyway, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Just, <laughs> okay. So I guess that's fine. Yeah. That happens Murder. Sometimes. All right, whatever. I got, okay, let me ask you this. In the version that you got, was there random Italian dubbing? Yes. Okay, because yeah, I have in my notes, yeah. Italian dub, question mark? Yeah, I think, because um, I read this at the original, um, the original American release cut out like 20 minutes right. of, of the, the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe some of that was put back in. Uh, but they didn't have it in in English, maybe. Oh. Not sure. It's so bizarre because at several points, this isn't the only time, but several points during the movie, it just busts into Italian. And yeah. There's no I, sub. There's no subtitles. There's no nothing. It's just well, this is in Italian for a second. Anyway, back to the well, movie. Mine had subtitles, um, but the the scene that I think of the most is is much later. It's near the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's between her and, and Frau Bruckner. Right. It's it's a long string of yeah. just Italian. So after after she's just like, oh, there's a killer on the loose? Yeah, I can't really be bothered with that. I'm going to go to bed. She starts having herself uh, a dream. And yeah. She uh, <laughs> she, she kind of is, uh, is a little, doing a little sleepwalking there, and some Iron Maiden starts playing. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Comes in um, hot. It does, and, and in her dream, when she starts her dream, she's going down like a like a take on me hallway for yeah. some reason. Oh, that has like black like. black garage doors on the side. It's it's really weird. Which seems relevant, and then also never comes back. <laughs> like we actually never see never what that is. Never find out what that is. Why no. that? Yeah. And so she's uh, she's having her sleepwalk in there, and we're seeing this girl getting chased about at the schoolhouse there. Uh-huh. Who's yelling and screaming and carry on on and so forth there. And Jen's walking up some stairs, and um, that's when we see that really elaborate snap-on, snap-together knife rig yeah. getting set up there. It's kind of like a knife on the end of an extender like, on the end of an extender on the end of an extender. It's very Yeah. It's very strange. I mean, I guess if if you're a killer who wants to kill with a spear, that would be the way to do it. You don't want to be walking around with a big pole on your back. You want to break it down into four individual parts. I suppose so. <laughs> and uh there's also too in the dream sequence there's this great shot that's just a close up of Jennifer Connelly's eyes, and she has this sick partial unibrow going on. Yes, she does. Um, <laughs> and I, I wrote it down. I feel bad because, like, she's a little girl in this movie. Totally. Like, she has, like, you look at her, and if you didn't know she was Jennifer Connelly, you might pick it out. Right. But she's got little girl face. Like, she's yeah. still got, like, you know, the Kid fleshy face. sort of chubby face. Sure. And, so when I saw the unibrow, like, 
I laughed at it, but then I felt bad because I'm like, oh, this is a little girl. Like, I don't expect her to pluck her eyebrows. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hey, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there that when it comes to ladies' eyebrows, I tend to go more is more. <laughs> You're a Frida Kahlo guy. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm at, man. Go. I'd rather have that than that super plucked, you know, like just like one line of single hair. That's just bizarre. So <laughs> she she's running out and she's on the roof, which is like kind of like cracking underneath her feet. She's on like a ledge in front of some windows and stuff. And yeah. she's coming around the corner to a window and she sees the girl get stabbed through the yeah. head, through the fucking mouth. Yeah, that was a, that was a cool scene. I mean, it... It looks great. I mean, you can yeah. see sort of a little bit that it's a fake head, but you're not really paying attention. I think he, he was able to focus mostly on the knife, so it looks right. really good. Well, and to me, too, with this being what you assume is like a dream sequence, it just seems kind of dreamy and surreal anyway. So it really kind of like blew my mind. It was like, oh, my God, like that was brutal. Also, her head goes through a window, which is cool. Yeah, again, another head through a window. Um, this, after that, she she turns around to leave, and it turns into a cartoon Dude, for a moment. I know! It, it, it totally looked to me like you were playing like a fucking video game, and she just yeah. very calmly walks. Yeah. It, it actually reminds, I think there was an old Looney Tunes cartoon where someone was sleepwalking yeah. and someone was like taking care of them, like pushing them, you know, around. And, and it looked like that. Like she walks and part of the, part of the roof sort of collapses mm -hmm. and, and she, she falls, but catches on a tree that like bends and drops her sort of slowly. Mm -hmm. It, it really it looks kind of like a Rube Goldberg device. It's a strange situation. <laughs> really breaks her fall quite nicely, and she she falls to a street. It kind of looks like she's like in the middle of Gatlinburg, Tennessee now. Yes, it does. She's in a she's in a mountain town. She's about to go to a pancake house, or maybe get some souvenir fudge. Yeah, maybe get uh, some nunchucks in an old west photo or something. Oh man, from the China Bazaar, dude. Obviously, get a ninja star. <laughs> And so she walks out onto the street where she's promptly hit by a car with some Germans in it. Yeah, but don't worry. It's two German guys. And they decide, I guess, to kidnap and rape her. I, I'm not sure what. Dude, they like, just immediately are like, well, we know what we should do here now. Let's put her in the car, I guess. Yeah, it, they say, let's see, I, I wrote it down. When they hit One her, they're German, says, and they're like, Scheisse. Yeah, they they take her into the car, and she starts going crazy. And at one point, one of them says to the other, would she do it? What? See, I didn't get the, I didn't get the subtitle, so that part yeah. for me was in Italian. Yeah. I, one of them says, would she do it? What? And then she she jumps out of the car, or falls out. I can't tell. I mean, the door opens, but I'm assuming she wasn't trying to open the door. Right. Um, she falls out. She rolls down this hill. They get out for a second, look down there, and then leave. Yeah, they're like, I guess we'll find somebody else. No big deal. Yeah. And then, you know, just like would happen. Let's say you were in the Swiss Alps, 
and and you fall out of a car down a hill. Yeah. The the first thing you're going to expect to see is a chimp. <laughs> and some ladybugs. Yeah, some ladybugs and a chimp. So she sees some ladybugs and a chimp and she falls into a Disney just, movie. Yeah. Uh yeah, exactly. She falls into a Disney movie where a chimp's like, "Hey, come here." And she's like, "Okay." Yeah. And this chimp probably knows where I need to go. Chimp. And let me tell you, kids, if you're listening, chimps aren't trustworthy. No, right? No, they'll they'll rip at your genitalia. Mm, they ain't got I'm a moral. Just saying, they're not nice. So um, the chimp takes her to Loomis, where they kind of talk briefly about sleepwalking. She mentions that she sleepwalks and stuff, and then they talk a little bit about bugs and the killer that's on the loose and stuff. Um. At that point, he Loomis noticed that she looks cold, so he says to go get Rita's old coat, which is upstairs. Yeah. And <laughs> this was interesting. It just shows him looking upstairs, and we hear the moment that she and the the chimp, Inga, walk like out of sight. It turns in like it's like a, um, three stooges all of a sudden. We just hear them... <laughs> Like, giggling, and she's like, what? What's going on? Yeah, there is a little bit of that going on. Yeah, I have no idea what could possibly be happening. Because up to this point, that chimp has not been playful. To get up the stairs, they take that sweet, sweet chairlift. Oh, yeah. uh, Since Loomis is uh, is in a wheelchair, he has this really sick wheelchair lift thing that rides up and down the banister. Which is like, oh, gosh, this might be irrelevant. Actually, this time, kind of is. Oh uh, yeah, kind of is. I, it it uh, immediately reminds me of anytime I see those, I think of Gremlins, oh, uh, because of because of the scene in Gremlins where uh, the Gremlins load the uh, w- wheelchair thing and it sends a lady shooting out of oh, her dude. house. To me, every yeah. time I see one of those, it reminds me of this really ridiculous meme that I saw this one time. It was a picture of one of those, you know, like a wheelchair lift that goes up the stairs. And uh, it just had this little caption on it that said, "This thing drives me up the wall." <laughs> Sorry, that just kills me. That's, oh man, that is such an old person joke. For oh, some dude, reason. Totally really gets joke. me. Yeah. So she comes back downstairs with her with her coat on. Describe that coat, Steve. Oh, um, <laughs> indescribable. Like what? What was it? It's like a wool pea coat, and it has a big ass iron cross on the chest. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, that that is what it is, right? I mean, it looks like that to me. In, they're in that area. That just seems like Ooh, a little too soon. Yeah, little too soon. And uh, a bug then uh, skeets all over Loomis's glasses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the bug's like, all skeet skeet, motherfucker. Yeah. And, and Jennifer Connelly's like, eh, it's no big deal. And he's like, you know, do you want to hold the bug? She wants to hold the bug. He's like, be careful. And she's like, oh, don't worry. You know, uh, I'm queen of the bugs or whatever. Yeah. And this is when, of course, Loomis discovers that, uh, she has some sort of weird connection with bugs. She says that's the bug's mating call he's doing right there. And then she makes a little joke about fucking a bug, which is yeah. kind of strange. <laughs> yeah, it's gross on all levels. And uh, he gives her the little pro tip there that next time she's sleepwalking, she just needs to remind herself, 
I am sleepwalking, and she'll wake herself up. So, yeah. <laughs> this is the thing to me, Steven. Tell me if you got this. So far uh-huh. in the movie, were you not expecting that sleepwalking would be, like, a vital part of this storyline? Absolutely, you would expect. You know what? Sleepwalking. That's where this is all going. She's going to sleepwalk into some situation that's going to somehow, like, solve everything. Yeah. And then, but no. even after that, we're treated to the scene of her back at the school, and she's getting, like, an EEG test where she's got all these diodes and stuff hooked up to her head, and they're going to test her to see what her brain is doing because apparently these people are so fucking freaked out by sleepwalking because I guess that's something that only absolute lunatics do. I thought that sleepwalking was actually pretty common, especially in adolescence and stuff, but they act like if you have if you sleepwalk you're a fucking lunatic. So they're hooking her up Yeah, to and she <clears throat> she keeps telling them like, you know, she's not epileptic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. And they they're just not listening to her. And again, like don't understand where the hate's coming from, like why they dislike yeah. Jennifer Corvino. And they're even like, um, sleepwalking can even be a sign of a new personality or schizophrenia showing up. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Now, this is what I was confused about because they start the machine up and the readings start going crazy. She's having some kind of like a flashback and stuff about her dream that she had and she's seeing the yeah. vision of it's almost like the vision of the girl that got killed earlier, but through a bug's eyes or something. Yeah. Did she fall asleep or did they just start recording and she immediately started having these visions? Cause she never closed her eyes. It was very weird. I don't, I don't know. It, it seemed like the way she responded to them, that, that she, she did that on purpose somehow. Mm-hmm. Like she somehow knew that she could do that. I, I don't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. But what we do see is that the EEG goes crazy. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, even as layman, we know means she she is insane. Oh, right? yeah, clearly. Those needles don't bounce up and down for no reason, Steve. <laughs> so, yeah, she... Uh, Stomps on out of there. Does, she gets pissed. Yeah, she's not happy. She grabs her stuff. Uh, she yells at him. She leaves. Which to me is uh, that, that's kind of an introduction to a little aspect of her personality as a character that I really did enjoy. She is a hard ass, dude. Oh, she is. Yeah, she she numerous times just straight straight up pumped out adults. Yeah, just like, like straight up tells them to fuck off. Which usually yeah. in movies, much less horror movies, much yeah. less horror movies from the eighties. Yeah. You're really just used to the female characters, especially main characters, just being fucking demure and, you know, just not really standing up for themselves and that kind of thing. So it was really cool to see. She does not give a fuck. No, she is, yeah, not intimidated. And so after Um, that, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, after that, we get to the part where Jen is making a phone call. Uh, trying to call in, her dad's agent, right? Because her dad is yeah. out of town or something like this and can't be reached by phone. But she's trying to call his agent, Shapiro. But it turns out Shapiro is out on holiday for three days on Passover. <laughs> and, and, of course, we learn this from one of my favorites, 
the one-sided exposition phone conversation totally. where she repeats everything that the person says to her yeah so that oh we yeah know. you don't hear the other person on the other end of the phone they're just like he's where he's on holiday for three days on passover <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how i talk uh, on the phone also those are the coolest phone booths ever that oh, they're in yeah total privacy. super nice it's great and so, outside of the phone booth, all the other girls in the school are gossiping about how she sleepwalks. Which, again, where the fuck is the stigma about sleepwalking coming from? Is this I, a cultural thing? Do do the Swiss just fucking hate sleepwalkers? It, it may be. That, you know what? I think I have heard that the Swiss, uh, they had what were called the sleepwalking wars. Oh. Where people who sleepwalk... They all got together and only during the day decided mm. to fight. Oh. At night, you know, they did their own thing, but... It was a dark time in history. It was. I like how they're all really focused on how Jennifer sleepwalks, but nobody's talking about the girl that got fucking murdered at the school with a knife to her head. Yeah. Because that happened. Also, I wrote this down. These girls are really bad at making fun of people. <laughs> <laughs> that comes up so much like, later on, too. It's so great. Yeah. yeah they go, they they go like, get... oh, she sleepwalks. Show off. Yeah, the caller show off. <laughs> sleepwalking. What, that had to be a translation thing. Like, the word that they used in uh, Italian or yeah. whatever. Because I, I think a few different languages are spoken in this. Um, whatever word must have, like, a numerous possible translations and that was like the first one and they just went with it because that makes no sense no it's fantastic and i love it for it so after that we're uh we're in a in a classroom where jen and sophie are sitting next to each other and stuff and this girl gets up to answer a question wearing this ridiculous totally not licensed bg's t-shirt which I would give my kingdom for because it is the most awesome t-shirt I've ever seen. It really is. I think if you pay attention, you'll notice that so many of the girls are wearing these like brand new crisp white t-shirts. Yeah. And then they all have different things on them, but it's obvious that they must have just bought a screen printer or something and oh, made dude, their own t-shirt like straight iron on it looks so yeah. baller um but she stands up what i don't get the bg's joke though like no. she's wearing the shirt okay i get that fine but then the teacher asks what motivates the poet to write whatever he wrote and she said he took it from a bg's song <laughs> well, i think that's what she said because it's incomprehensible, really. I wish that after like, that we would have got a close-up of the girl's face and she would have said, I'm a fan of the Bee Gees, just to really drive it home. <laughs> <laughs> Rule of threes. Yeah, we got we to gotta know. Like, Okay, she's got the shirt. She thinks this poet wrote something straight from the Bee Gees. Does she like the Bee Gees? Confirmed. She likes the Bee Gees. Yeah. And so then Jen is talking to Sophie, and she's like, oh, what if the killer saw me, yada, yada. And the teacher calls on Sophie to answer some question that she wasn't paying attention for. Uh -huh. And Jennifer, like, feeds her lines where she's like, the poet said. And then Sophie's like, the poet said. 
that the meaning of the phrase that the meaning of the phrase it's ridiculous something that would never yeah, this, pass in class yeah it, it's like the answer isn't something like 12 or yeah you know uh world war Two. the answer is like this involved uh sort of analysis of the poem yeah so it's a real weird thing to be cheating on and yeah she just feeds her these lines straight up and sophie just repeats them and then she says forget the past or something like that or screw the past that's what she's like screw Screw the past past, yeah and the whole class is like damn it was a different time back then it really was saying screw the past would really like people would just stand up and applaud sometimes So, uh, Jennifer also tells Sophie, she's like, I'm really scared I'm going to sleepwalk again and the killer's going to get me, so tonight I need you to watch over me. Totally kind of, you know, hearkening back to like Elm Street Part 1. Yeah. I need you to watch over me while I sleep. And then also hearkening to Elm Street Part 1, that totally doesn't work out because uh, Jen's sleeping, Sophie sneaks out of the window in the middle of the night to see her boyfriend. And one oh, thing that I did I think was really see cool. My boyfriend. Yeah, and the, one thing that I did think that was really cool is after she snuck out of the window, the camera p- kind of pans across the room to a TV that's on, and you see the parents of the girl that was missing at the first of the movie, and then you see it makes a very uh, uh, blatant point of showing you Professor, or not Professor, uh, Detective Giger on the TV, uh-huh. who's on the lookout yeah. for him. Cool introduction of that character. Yeah, and we yeah, and it also sets up. Of course, what's about to happen, which is whenever you go out at night to go see your boyfriend and you guys kiss awkwardly for uh, two seconds, three seconds. Yeah. And then he tells you that he, of course, has to report back to the base. Yeah. Uh, wh- <laughs> I don't know what base that is because he was wearing a, uh, like a shirt that looked like maybe he sold electronics. Yeah. Anyway, right after, of course, he leaves. She says, fuck you. He smiles at her. Yeah. And then now, the killer's after her. Look out. So Sophie's, uh, Sophie's on, the, on the run there. But then Jen starts having a little sleepwalking going on. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. She starts sleepwalking. And you know what? She listens to Loomis's instructions. She does. And, man, does it work out. And then I noticed, too, at that point, the soundtrack is on full blast and dude the soundtrack sounds like something i would love to whip ghouls to in castlevania the castlevania Absolutely. soundtrack just went off the hook and it is yeah awesome. and this, this the the music in this is just awesome it is it's fucking awesome and we see that knife rig getting set up again that snap together yeah. customized easily traceable custom weapon knife rig <laughs> Sophie's running and stuff. We see that weird flash of that hallway from earlier again. Um, Sophie gets stabbed. And then at that point, Jennifer goes outside and this firefly starts kind of leading her around to somewhere. She's communicating with the the bug somehow. Leads her over to these bushes where she finds this glove. And uh, so she takes the glove and then it shows her going inside of the schoolhouse there. And the lights turn on and then she screams. Yeah, and we find out that she screamed because there were maggots in the glove. Right, and that's when she's on, like, 
it's like a shot of her on a cable car riding to Loomis's place, and she's basically just sort of reading through a letter she's written to her dad about how she finds these maggots on the glove, and she couldn't tell the other girls while she was screaming, and yada yada, that kind of thing. Yeah, which is, it's a weird letter, and we get we get more of it later, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely so. She wasn't sleepwalking, though, at a certain point, right? Like, I, Yeah, that's that's what I'm going to get. It's like, where did the sleepwalking end? And she just I, began... I think, uh. I, think it, I think, like, as she was seeing the the Take On Me hallway, yeah. she started saying, like, you know, whatever it was he told her to say. And, like, a magic spell, it just cures her of sleepwalking. Like, she doesn't sleepwalk again, does she? Boy, you might be right. I thought it yeah, was... I, and and so it never it's never gonna come back. So that like, aspect of the plot walking. is now dead. So at this after this at this point she's back in Loomis's office there and uh, she's surrounded by bugs that sound like squeaky wheels on buggies again. And yeah, uh, and the bugs are acting all weird and jittery and crazy. And Loomis is like they're reacting to your to your mood. Yeah, and this is when. <laughs> we get the super scientific explanation <laughs> of how bugs all are telepathic. Yeah. He says it's perfectly normal for insects to be slightly telepathic. Just slightly, though. Like, not full slightly. on. So I'm trying to determine exactly what slightly might mean. Where it's like, maybe it can't communicate to you directly. Right. But it's receptive to telepathy, I guess. Maybe that's it. Because she does calm the bugs down. Yeah, yeah. They react to her mood, and again, they they chill out and stuff. And uh, so that's when we start getting this idea that, oh, okay, so Jen can apparently communicate with bugs, I suppose. And then, yeah. Then after this, the shot goes back to Jennifer back at school, and again, with the awesome Swiss insults. One of the girls stops oh. in the hall and goes, Jennifer, eh. Like, that's all yes. she says is, eh. <laughs> <laughs> wow i mean i can see how that would hurt a person yeah for, uh, for someone to just go uh, to <laughs> maybe that's what master p was um, talking about in his song when he said make him go uh. that's what it was he saw this that's movie it. and he's like that is a cold-blooded insult <laughs> and so jennifer's walking around the dorms and stuff there and she she's coming around the corner to her room and in her room is that headmaster from the Robert Palmer video, and I mm-hmm. think Frau is is Frau in there. I think she's in there, and a couple of the other kids yeah. are in her room reading a letter that she was writing her dad about how she feels like she has a split personality emerging. Which again, uh-huh. what the fuck is that about? There is no split personality. Why is uh, and how she can communicate with bugs? Yeah, and I, all this other stuff. Yeah, I don't get the split person because like no. we established earlier that that's not what's happening but now she's now she's like oh maybe that's it yeah she she even talks about it she's like i can feel my split personality emerging now and yeah (laughs) it's almost like she's telling her dad like about uh i grew uh three inches today or something like she she's reporting it to him like, she's so happy about this split personality yeah. she's got that can talk to bugs. Dude, it makes no sense. So, Jen grabs the letter from and stomps off. She's like, that's my letter. And then she uh, she walks out into the hallway, 
and all the girls in the school are now making fun of her? Yeah, so, uh, because, you know, she talks to bugs. Yeah. And they Sleep start bugs. surrounding her and <laughs> saying, we worship you, we worship <laughs> you. <laughs> Which, listen, what? Steve, now, again, I'm going to bring this up again <laughs> here because it's such a relevant point in my life that, you know, I was I was homeschooled. So let me ask yeah. you, you being one of the one of the public school majority, how mm-hmm. many times when you were in school, the kids choose to insult you by surrounding you and saying that they worship you? How often did this happen? And how did I can it make recall, you feel? I can recall two instances, yeah. and I don't want to go into them because I I don't want to cry on the first episode. Words that hurt of our podcast. Words that hurt, but it hurts. It's deep. We worship you. You know, I, whew, you know, you can just feel that cut to the core. <laughs> and so Jen kind of escapes from the group of the girls there, and she has this awesome spotlight and some wind blowing on her and stuff. And then it, it's almost like a scene out of like a David Lynch movie where she's like, she's got this yeah. glamorous Hollywood ass light and wind on her, and she goes, I love you all. I love you. Yeah. I love all and of you. And as she's saying, yeah, as she's saying this, we're hearing the, the squeaky wheel. Yep. And the buzz. Yeah. And, and insects are just swarming the entire building. Which I think looked awesome. You get this exterior yes, shot did. of the school, and there's this huge, just black flock of bugs. Flock? Swarm of bugs, they're called. <laughs> <laughs> A flock of bugs. That's my 80s uh, new wave band, A Flock of Bugs. <laughs> flock of bugs and they're all over the house and i read online that they apparently achieved that effect by filming dumping like coffee grounds in water and then Uh overlaying that onto the shot so apparently those are coffee grounds huh pretty cool looks great yeah it does it looks awesome so all these bugs are swarming Mm -hmm. all over the windows and stuff like this and then jen passes out as though that was some sort of Huge exertion on her. And then the next shot is her laying in a bed with an IV in. And she's acting like she's asleep. But the headmistress and this nurse are out there talking about how she's fucking diabolic. And uh, the headmaster She's the lady of the flies. Yeah. She's She's, like in the Bible. He was called Beelzebub, which means the Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. She's the lady Mm -hmm. of the flies. Yeah. I, and I wish that had come back. I wish she had, like, owned that. I know, and, like, right? she'd be like, I am the Lady of the Flies later, but no. Pretty cool idea. And uh, yeah. so she's she's laying there trying to act asleep. Headmasters leaves um, Lilith from Frasier there to watch her. <laughs> yeah, and immediately she falls asleep. Yeah, like, she, she, she no knits, time. like, two stitches and is like, it's about time to go to bed. <laughs> And again, we get a cartoon. Yes. We get Jennifer. She's, she takes out the IV, which, by the way, looked like it may have been actually in her arm. Dude, and, I know. Like, yeah, I think that like, was real. I think that was real. Um, and also, too, and, the whole scene of her removing the IV out of her arm step yeah. by step by step. Yeah. It takes like a minute and a half for her to remove that thing. It's almost like you're watching a damn YouTube video about how to remove, how to remove IV. Yeah. It is step by step everything you need well, to know. I, and I, I, that again is what makes me think it's real because, I, know. I mean, when you're removing an IV, you know, uh, it can hurt. You don't want to rip off that tape and just rip it out like they do in movies normally. Um, 
she she takes it out slowly and we see we see a little bit of blood spurt out immediately um Ooh. and then she's trying to be quiet and oh my god it, it seriously it's like a cartoon yeah she almost knocks over the um the iv stand right um and then she's getting her clothes on and she's walking and a, the cuckoo clock goes off the old swiss that's, that's cuckoo. not even a joke that's that's a real thing that happened in this movie <laughs> a cuckoo clock goes off and she has to grab it to make it stop making noise yeah so it doesn't wake up the lady and she sneaks out she manages to sneak out and she goes back to Loomis's place where he's sitting there having no discernible Scottish accent <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so he he rolls like two R's throughout the course of the movie and that yeah. is the extent of his Scottish accent <laughs> that's it uh, uh, this does this sets up what I think is the next television pilot that I'm writing yeah, he he gives her a sarcophagus fly and says that the fly uh, will, you know, uh, go to where death is, and so she she's supposed to take it with her along the bus route. Try to find Sophie, uh, because right? To yeah, to try to try to find out where the killer is, right? Um, and so he said he calls them. His two detectives. And so this is this is the pilot pitch right here. Yeah. The show is my two detectives. <laughs> we have <laughs> we have crazy old entomologist in a wheelchair yeah. and his red ass chimp assistant. Oh, that with chimp's 14 ass. 14 year old Connolly in a sarcophagus fly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wild card. Is the damn yeah. sarcophagus. Yeah, the wild yeah, the sarcophagus fly smokes and drinks a lot. Jennifer Connelly, she's the straight laced by the book. Yeah. <laughs> I love, too, that he calls him. He's like, this is a case for the two greatest detectives ever known. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> you know, her and the fly who have solved approximately, <laughs> wait, exactly zero cases zero. ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's like, I think that, I think that somewhere... You know, lots of great crime scene detectives are probably gravely insulted at that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> so he sends her out with the fly, and then we get a shot of her. Yeah. She's riding on a bus with a fly and, and a glass box. she opens the window up. Yeah, listen that fresh air in. She, yeah, she wants to, so the, I guess so the fly can smell death. And a lady comes along and says, hey, you know, close the damn window, it's cold. Yeah. And she... She's just like, no, fuck you, old lady. Dude, she comes at her hot. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. she is a hard ass. And it's like, I don't know what she's <laughs> lived through prior to this. I want to see that movie. I want to see the movie that turned into such a fucking hard ass the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and two things happen here that I'm not sure exactly what's happening. Okay, one, I hope that it's one of the ones that I have in my notes. Because there's something that happens here that confused me. One, in the the front of the bus, yes. we see someone wearing a fedora and a trench coat with the collar pop. Dude, the which classic, means, of course. It's the classic. No I don't good. want you to know who I am. Disguise. Yeah, up to no good. Yeah, and that, um, and that doesn't exactly go anywhere. It I shows mean, us like I have two or three some, times. Yeah, I, I have some assumptions about it, but it doesn't. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, 
the other thing is, at the exact moment that the bus passes by a road, the the a black BMW pulls out, and in it is the inspector. Yeah, Geiger, who is apparently going to the exact same place that Jennifer ends up at. So. Maybe there's a deleted scene where we know. saw that he also had a sarcophagus fly inside of the, <laughs> inside of the car. <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe there must have been a scene where he realized that like she maybe would be the the person to follow or like maybe she would be the one to lead him somewhere that would help him understand what yeah. happened to Sophie. How would he know? Yeah, but how would he know? Yeah, like we we don't get anything. Damn it. To tell us why that happens. There is no truth in this art. <laughs> and so the fly starts buzzing, and she's like, bus driver, let me off of here. Um, and I, I did like it, though. Whenever you see her get off of the bus and the bus drives away, you see that fucking lady from earlier shut the window. She's like, I'm going to shut that damn window. Not this kid's <laughs> yeah, that's here. true. Yeah, they followed up on that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is something so that needs fucking loose follow ties. Up. That they have to solve. That's the thing about this movie. There are so many odd things that get attention, and so many yeah. other just hugely important things that get barely even a mention. Yeah, it's a uh, really strange sort of logic or vision of reality that happens <laughs> this movie. Yeah. Um, and so she's following the fly. She yeah. gets off at the bus stop that we at the beginning of the movie. Right. Um, and it's heading towards Swiss the house. house of Gatlinburg. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's heading towards the house we saw at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. But there's a shot just before that where she, she is on this sort of hill with all these white flowers and there's a mountain in the background. Very sound of music. It looks like a painting. It's, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous shot. Yeah. Um, Re- so she follows the fly. Uh, which, uh, the effect that they did earlier with the Firefly, mm-hmm. they they sort of do again. Uh, so we see this sort of little black dot, and we keep getting shots of Jennifer Connelly's eyes following it. They're just kind of darting around um, like crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is, yeah, I assume they told her, like, hey, you're watching a bug. And she was like, oh, bugs go everywhere. Yeah, they don't tend to be docile, so my head ought <laughs> to be darting around. Yeah. Uh, so the fly leads her to the house. And, and then I noticed, yeah. too, that whenever... Okay, whenever whenever she gets up to the house, uh-huh. we see that BMW from earlier pull up to the house. Geiger's car pulls up to the house. And then yeah. it gives us this weird, like, three-second-long shot of the tailpipe of the car. Yeah. Uh, Why? Yeah, shiny things keep yeah. getting a lot of attention, yeah. I don't even remotely understand why that was relevant it's like and it showed like a little exhaust coming out of the tailpipe as though he was like i want you to see that the car is actually running <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> i seriously think that like uh, a, a dario jenna must be a fucking lunatic i'm assuming yeah i mean his wikipedia picture he looks like uh, dracula so maybe he's a dracula yeah he might be one of them. Well, that would explain the, the Swiss Transylvania, too. Yeah. So, Jim um, goes in the house, and it's all it's all dusty. Looks like it hasn't been lived in in a minute there. Um, 
She picks up a tarp that has a bunch of like toys and dolls and stuff under it. Yeah, it's creepy. And a fly, the fly leads her into a room that has a bookcase. And on top of the bookcase, it looks like there's like some scrolls or maybe like some rolled up blueprints or something. Yeah, yeah. Which I, again, I don't even remotely understand the relevance of what those would be or why she would look at them. And it's but some, she really wants to see it. Yeah, and in her process of trying to get him, she breaks this hole in the floorboard, and she falls down. And uh, then this man out of nowhere grabs her, and he seems super normal. Yeah, totally, right? And he's like, are you in here? You're in here to steal something. And he talks yeah. about how the tenants moved out eight months ago. Again, eight months ago is mentioned like a hundred times throughout the movie. Yeah. And, so uh, we know that, we know that uh, whoever lived there moved out after that girl got killed. Right. And what I really liked is she wiggles free from his grasp, and she runs off around the corner, and then the guy goes to look where she's gone, and she's already like a mile away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she is. He must have really taken his time to go see. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he didn't care. Who knows? Uh but then we see, as they've left the house, we see that that hole that she broke in the floor, there are maggots around it, and underneath, there's some rotting body. Dude, and that was a shot that I really liked, because it's kind of like, the camera is sort of moving towards that maintenance guy, and then it goes past him and through the house, and you realize you're actually seeing the vision of the fly. I thought yeah. that was way cool. There's this fly vision. It was. Shot. Yeah, you're right. There's this rotten hand underneath yeah. the floorboards there. And at that point is where Geiger um, pulls up to the house. Yeah. And he starts and, asking uh, the, the housekeeper guy about, you know, who lived here? And the housekeeper guy's like, I can't tell you that. And uh, he's like, I'm Detective Geiger. And then he kind of like shoves his police badge into the camera, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, that was a real weird moment. Like, it was almost like an an old silent film moment yeah. where like it just he he is pushing the badge towards the camera and then it just sort of fades out. Yeah. Um and it makes no sense. No reason for it. And then we cut to sometime in the night where the the chimp is outside walking around and he spots a kite in a tree. It's like a kite in the shape of a butterfly uh, that's stuck in a tree and the monkey's like, well it's our chimp. Jib is like, well, I have to have that. Yeah, gotta go rip that down. And so as he's and, uh, fucking around with that, we see somebody getting into Loomis's uh, house. And, and they close the, the door, door behind them and mm-hmm. lock, yeah. And then the chimp goes up to the door and is banging on the door and stuff because he's locked out. Loomis hears all this banging around going on inside and he wakes up. Then he's upstairs, so he puts his wheelchair onto that chairlift thing and starts taking it down. And he's like, oh, you've locked yourself out again. Yeah, and the this is insane. This, yes, the chimp is ripping uh, shutters off of the window. Yeah, and, and this is—I mean, this isn't CGI. This isn't. There's nothing going on here except that a chimp is ripping the shutters off of this window. Right, and then breaks the window and is just crawling itself through the broken window. Uh, it is, it's one of the most primal scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Dude, 
Yeah, it is, and it's going totally nuts in the process. And what you see is, is Loomis is going down his chairlift thing, a hand in a glove, pushes the button that stops the chairlift. Yeah. I, I guess Loomis can't see. I mean, I guess we can see for the for the benefit of it being a movie. But I think yeah, we're but Loomis to see can't very dark. see. Yeah. Yeah, because this person is like at the base of the stairs pushing the button. He's like, "Who's there? Who are you?" And he shoots his like laser pointer at the person at the base of the stairs, who's kind of wearing a trench coat and stuff, kind of like the person on the bus earlier, but it's not. Yeah. It's black. Yeah, it's a different trench coat. Yeah. So, and also, what was it looks the like other a, person? And this will be relevant later. It looks like a normal grown adult. Yes. And yes. Uh, but there is a sweet shot where he's shooting the laser pointer at the at the figure. And we get this shot that's almost like you're seeing into a mask or something. It's like the killer's eye. Yeah. And it's red and it's super sick. It's really cool. Yeah. Real cool shot. And, and then that I... crazy elaborate knife assembly stabs Loomis as he's coming down the chairlift. Uh-huh. And Which, uh, he dies. That, yeah. That, this one shot kills him. Um, and then when we see him dead in his wheelchair in the light, yeah, there, it, it looks like someone just took like a, a red marker and just marked on his shirt a little bit, <laughs> which is funny. Cause like, you know, other parts of the movie that have blood, it's pretty juicy looking. Yeah. I, I'm imagining the actor was just like, listen, no, you're not covering me in blood. Yeah. He's like, Loomis don't deal with that. Yeah. And he dies with the most ridiculous look on his face and it keeps showing his face time and time again of him looking so dumb (laughs) (laughs) the chimp gets in and the chimp's like checking him out and he's like oh no he is the dead and it keeps showing his face just looking absolutely brain dead it's hilarious yeah it is um so then the car speeds off like the killer's car speeds off right yeah and then uh, the ambulance is there, et cetera. Oh, um, oh, before that, though, while the car is speeding off, the monkey, or sorry, the chimp, I keep saying fucking monkey, the chimp is, like, <laughs> on the roof of the car. Oh, my God, yes. Which How is would I so rad. The, the chimp jumps up on the roof of the car, and it's like the traditional sort of action movie chase uh, scene where the, the person's on the roof of the car. Yeah. The the whoever's in the car is trying to, you know, shake the chimp off eventually does, but it's, it's badass. Like it is. I don't know how they trained this chimp to do these things. I, I really hope that it was just training and that the chimp wasn't really fearing <laughs> for its life. <laughs> Listen, am I crazy or is the chimp the best actor in the movie? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's very convincing. Cause like whenever it's on the roof of that car, it seems pissed. And like in the last scene when it's trying to break into the house, it was totally yeah. freaking. It was the most uh, yeah. impressive acting in there. So you're right. After the, after the chimp gets shook off the car there, we go back to the house where Loomis is being carried out on a stretcher as Motorhead blares on the soundtrack. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird choice, though, because, like, it's not like – like, the the song's great, but Hell yeah, there's no action going on. No. There's nothing like the – to go with the song. It's just a guy being wheeled out of his house dead. Yeah, so it definitely needs some old-school proto-thrash courtesy of Motorhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we... R.I.P. Lemmy. 
you know, okay, going back to what I was saying a second ago about certain things getting a lot of attention and other things not getting any attention. For example, the next scene is of Geiger at, uh, I think it's like an insane asylum or something. Yeah, like an that. insane asylum. Uh-huh. And he's with some attendant, and he's like, so you've never had anybody break out of here? Well, no, but I'm looking for somebody that might, might have broken in. Yeah, and and the guy says we did have an incident like that about fifteen, 15 years, ago. years ago. Yeah, and the starts, end. And that's that's basically it. They walk down a hallway, which kind yeah. of sort of looks like the one that Jen dreamed about earlier, kind of, but yeah. not really. And they go and to the end of the guy... hall where there's a guy in a cell that has all these crazy fucking scars all over his face. Yeah. And that's it. Who is that? No idea. I was I, wondering if I just missed something there, because I rewound that scene, I think, like, three times, and I'm like, surely I, I missed something here. I, now I, ha- I'm, I may have a theory about it, but I'll get back to it in a little bit when we get to the big reveal. Right. So yeah. after that, Jen is at a bank trying to get some money, so that she can fly home and escape this school because she's convinced that, uh, you know, the killer's going to get her and, and all the people at school hate her and all this stuff. Which so, is, again, an indication of just how badass she is. She, like, at 14, I would have had no idea what to do in a foreign country right. to try to get home. Right, But yeah. she, she's not intimidated. She just goes down to the bank and she's like, hey some money like you yeah. know like, <laughs> she's like i'll call my dad's agent and see if he can't wire some money i mean seriously he she is a a self-sufficient type which is pretty yeah. pretty awesome again especially in the horror genre to see yeah and then in the middle of that we're also treated to another scene where the chimp is walking around and goes through a trash can and finds yet another stabby object <laughs> yeah he finds a straight razor beautiful shiny chrome straight razor yeah and he keeps it now, um, earlier, I, I forgot to mention this, very early when we first see the laser burner, which seemingly has no relevance, right? Um, but actually does, he says that when he shines that laser pointer on something, uh, Inga, the, the chimp, will never forget it, which oh, yeah. is a weird line at the beginning but then when he does shine the laser pointer on the killer, um, oh. it turns out that... Um, the monkey I'm didn't forget. Saying, the monkey doesn't forget. Dude, the, I hadn't thought Inga, about that. Inga grabs this switch or uh, straight razor, I'm assuming because it's shiny, but then keeps it because she is out for vengeance. Dude, I totally had not thought about that with the laser pointer. That's a yeah. That's a really good point. I hadn't considered that. Huh. There's actually some so, kind of bizarre logic going on in this movie. Yeah. So yeah, some things are really followed up. Um, huh. So th- there's Inga, and then we have uh, we have JC. Uh, where is she at this moment? Oh, she's in the bank. She's at the bank. And, and the teller's like, and, there ain't no money in that account. Yeah, and Frau Bruckner shows up yeah. and says that uh, Sh- Shapiro called her, the agent called her, and told her to pick her up and yeah. to, you know, keep her at her house, and he'll be there to pick her up. Yeah, she has. she's going to be leaving on a plane the next day. Which, 
Um, I, at first, you know, well, she gets to the house. Yeah. And the house, first off, is huge. Yeah. And, and, and she makes mention of it, too. She's like, this is a really big house. Yeah. Um, they go in, and things get weird almost immediately. <laughs> yeah, it does not take long for things no. to get very strange. She's like, do you live here alone? She's like, no, I live here with my son who's a lunatic, and I'm really worried about him, and I think he's making me crazy. Don't worry about him, though. He'll just stay in his room with his crazy thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And they have all, all the mirrors, the mirrors covered. Are, all the mirrors are covered, which, again, makes me think, oh, is there a son of a vampire? Like, yeah. does hey, she cover the mirrors yeah. so he doesn't have to deal with the fact he doesn't have a reflection or something? Right. Um. Anyway, so... She sees uh, Frau Brewer walks out uh, for whatever reason. To make I can't her some remember. tea. But, oh, to make her some tea. And she sees uh, what looks like the shape of a child in a room. And of course, because she don't take no shit from nobody. No. Somebody says, don't uh, worry about talking to my son. She's like, no, I'm going to do that. Yeah, so that's she walks exactly into the room and is a little freaked. Uh, and accidentally kicks a toy train, I think it was, that uh, hits the what looks like the sun and knocks it over. And we can we can tell at that moment it's a doll, right? But Jennifer Jennifer cannot apparently. Yeah, so she, she can't quite discern bit. that this is not indeed a genuine human. <laughs> And Frau walks in and Jennifer's like, I'm sorry, I, I don't think, I don't know if I heard him or not. I, I got scared or kicked this toy and, and knocked him over or something like that. And Frau walks over and picks up what, you know, again, Jen is assuming is a kid. And it's like a mannequin that's like falling apart at the halfway point. Like it's got like a rope that yeah. attaches its torso to its legs. And Jennifer goes, don't grab him like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're ripping was, him apart. <laughs> yeah, it was that was a weird moment for sure. It's um, like just when you think she's really got a head on her shoulders, she's like, "Don't grab that mannequin boy like that." <laughs> but be then nice to him. Frau retaliates by getting actually even weirder and more illogical than that, and she's like, "You think this is my son?" Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah, like insulted. It reminds me of like reason. a scene from Zoolander where he's like. What is this, a school for ants? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so she, the Frau Bruckner insists that Jennifer has a fever and yeah. she needs to take medicine. And then there is a scene entirely in Italian for like five minutes. It lasts a long time and they're just kind of jabbering Very in Italian. Um, but eventually she convinces Jennifer to take the medicine. And so Jennifer's like, I'm uh, going to go in this bathroom. And then Frau stands in the doorway, at which point Jennifer physically, again, like a 14-year-old kid, like physically pushes this adult away from the door. <laughs> just yeah. hard-ass, dude. She's just like, I'm going to the bathroom, ma'am. Yeah, and she <laughs> shuts the door, and at which point she very easily could have just flushed the pills down the toilet, Right. Right, but no, she thinks, I guess I should take one of these pills. Yeah. Uh, and then takes one and almost immediately recognizes, or uh, I don't even know if she's recognizing, 
almost immediately she assumes she's poisoned. Yeah, when she like washes her hands and she knows that she notices that there's like maggots on the soap and then maggots on the towel and just yeah, maggots, maggots everywhere. <laughs> Not a drop to drink. And, then, and and that's when like she starts getting the voice of Loomis, who I guess is a Jedi spirit now. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Oh man, if he had shown up. As the shimmery blue force ghost, that would have been awesome. Dude, he's totally force ghost and hard, and he's like, the killer would, the killer's a psychopath. The killer would want to keep part of the body around, yada yada. Mm. And at this point, she starts figuring out that she's she's been poisoned or something like this. And in an extremely hard-to-watch scene, kind of like the IV scene, I'm pretty sure this is real, uh-huh. makes herself oh, throw up. Oh, it's absolutely real. Yeah. She's making herself throw up, and that's real puke. I mean, it has to be. She's putting her finger down her throat and stuff, and it looks... I mean, it straight looks, up, it looks like bile. Yeah. Like, she's totally yeah. throwing up. Like, Argento is yeah. like, hey, kid, make yourself throw up on camera. Uh, and I'm not making light of the situation. Jennifer Connelly was a model. Uh, maybe she already knew how to do that. Look out. Uh, yeah. Look out. I don't I don't like that that may be true, but that might be it. Um I'm calling inside job on that one. <laughs> fingers uh, fingers don't make you vomit like that, Steve. No, they do not. Uh and so JC decides, you know, she's going to use the phone. She yeah, comes out, yeah, uh, Frau is like banging on the door. She's like, "What's going on in there?" And then Jennifer opens the door and Frau like Jennifer goes off to the phone, right? Immediately, yeah. She just walks out of the bathroom, goes to the phone. Like, she's already suspicious yeah. of what's going on. But I guess she she's still not... She still doesn't think maybe that that she needs to be afraid of the Frau. And so Frau she just goes straight pill. to the phone. Frau finds the pill in the sink, and she's like, that bitch didn't take this. Uh-huh. So she picks up a piece of wood. It's her on the back of the head. Yeah, she uh, she bops her pretty good. They have a little scuffle there. Uh, uh-huh. Knocks Jen out. She un- uh, Frau unhooks the phone and puts it into this other room and locks the door. And uh, at that point, we get a view of Geiger's car pulling up outside. Because, again, somehow he just always knows exactly where to be. Uh, yeah. Jennifer Conley starts screaming for help. And then Frau like, chokes her with a, a sheet or something. Yeah, and, and like, drags her, uh, and then she grabs the phone and puts it into a different room and locks the door. Right. And goes to deal with Geiger, yeah. who just showed up. And, and we get the scene of Geiger and Frau outside talking, and it's <laughs> really weird. It is very weird. I, what was going on there? So she's like, yeah, 15 years ago while I was working at that asylum, I was assaulted through the bars. And she just says one of the inmates grabbed me through the bars and assaulted me. And she opens up the top of her shirt where she's got this huge scar going across her chest. Yeah. Which I don't, I have no idea what's going on there with, with how that happened or whatever was well, I, her situation. Here's part of my theory about the, the insane asylum. Okay, scar she, guy. Sh- Scar guy, I think, maybe, is the guy who grabbed her. So we're supposed to associate his scars and her scar, maybe. Right. Uh, But, yeah, so while this is happening, Jennifer 
decides, you know, she wakes up and decides that, you know, she's got to get to this phone. Uh, and there's a little window. I don't remember what those are called. Little windows above a door right. in, in your house. Uh, little window above the door. She opens it up. And uh, this is, I mean, it, it's a, I, I would say, like, maybe in an American movie, they would cut some of this. Because it's a long show, scene. Yeah, they show the genuine struggle of her using this pole to try to like wrap around the cord of the phone and then pull it up and out. But but she can't do it. She fails at doing it and eventually uh, just goes into the room. Yeah, that's what I didn't get is like she's messing around with this this handy helper pole and she's got yeah. her body halfway through the door window thing. Up yeah, there. just go just the like, rest of the way. <laughs> just why are you fucking around with this pole? Just go through. And at some point here, we hear Geiger scream. So we assume that he's met some sort of bitter end at Rizzly the hands of fate. Crown. Yeah. And Jennifer is uh, not so handy there with the pole. And she knocks the phone down into this huge hole in the floorboard where it just falls yeah. and falls and falls. And at that point, she's like, well, fuck it. I guess I'll just crawl through. And she crawls through and goes into this hole, which is a, a tunnel, and she's using the, the phone cord as, as like a, a lifeline almost, just following it, though there's only one direction to go, so I yeah. don't know why she's doing that. And then, I, maybe, maybe it's supposed to be dark in there. That's the impression you know, I that know. I was going on, and also, yeah. too, like one thing that I noticed is while she's going through that hole, the kind of you know tunnel or whatever that somehow leads through the house, through the subfloor or something like this... The lighting is super cool, and it's a cool shot that's yeah. just sort of like side-tracking. And she's going through yeah. this really dark, like, damp-looking dirt. It all looks very musty and not wonderful all of a sudden. And yeah. while she's crawling down through that hole, we get a shot that lasts like two seconds of Shapiro showing up at the airport. And he's like, I know where I'm going. And then um, goes back to Jennifer, you know, down in the hole. And yeah. the phone, she gets the to the to the base of the phone, and the phone rings, uh, but she kind of like knocks it over and stuff. And by the time she's grabbed it, Shapiro, who's on the other end of the phone, is already hanging up. Yeah, no, no patience. No, he ain't about to do that. And then so, some hands reach out and grab her, and pull yeah. her into another room. And those hands belong to Geiger, and he looks like shit. He is bloody. He's chained to a wall. I don't know how long she was in that tunnel, but I'm assuming Frau Bruckner is very efficient at <laughs> handling a person twice her size. Germans known for their efficiency because she That's just true. mauled this grown-ass man in the time that it... Well, you know what, though? It did take... Maybe that was the purpose of showing Connolly wrestling with that phone for like half an hour. <laughs> that, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Geiger is getting mauled and chained to a wall. Chained up with the same sort of rigs that we saw at the first of the movie, too. I thought that yes. was kind of relevant. And so he's yeah. like, I'm Geiger. I'm not weird. Although he's but super, super weird. Yeah, and, and she, of course, is freaking out and falls backwards into a pool of death the most disgusting thing of all time absolutely it is it is a, a small pool feel, filled with uh, de decomposing bodies um just this muck Sludge. that i'm assuming is like 
soup of uh, intestines and things, Ugh. and maggots Some everywhere. sort of a morbid stew, or perhaps a yeah, a, a graven gumbo. It, <laughs> it, it reminded me of like the trash water in the in the garbage compactor scene in A New Hope. Yes, only <laughs> far more unappealing, and it's far like far more disgusting, yeah. teeming with maggots. There's just like maggots Ugh. every. Where it is and so gross. And considering a- that everything in the movie so far has been like pretty tame and kind of like you were saying yeah. earlier, it's like you could see it was totally a fake hand that got stabbed. You could see it was a fake yeah. hand with scissors going through it or whatever. This is just no, like it's so sick fake. that it really, really takes the wind out of your sails. It is like yeah. disgusting. And it's not, it's not, um, it's not like just a a pool of water with some fake like bones floating around in it. And then we like intercut some, some shots of maggots. You can see the maggots. Like, Oh yeah. Everything. And, and it, the, the parts of the body still have like the flesh on them and stuff. It's not, it's not a cheesy way of, of showing this. This is a, a straight, just brutal, like they they really put Jennifer Connelly into a pool of of disgusting. It really and makes like the the swimming pool corpse scene in Poltergeist look like a demo. Oh, yes, it does. Ugh, uh, and it's so gross. Her trying to escape lasts a long time, and and Frau Bruckner shows up, laughs, and at she's her. laughing. And dude, like, she's her, crazy. Like Jennifer's like head is going under the water multiple times, and like. Frau like steps on her hands, which makes her go head under the water very many times, which is nauseating. Yeah. Yes, very gross. Ugh. Ugh. And the music at that point is going crazy too. The music becomes this like again, considering you've been blasted by like Motorhead and Iron Maiden, just this way yeah. over the top silly stuff. At that point, the music gets this super dark like. It sounds like nightmare opera soundtrack, like fucking yeah. weird out of nowhere, which made me feel very, 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 very unsettled. And that's intercut with the scene of Shapiro leaving the school. Like Shapiro's trying to find Jennifer, and he, I guess he'd gone to the school, and they're like, "Nope, she's not here." And he's like, "Okay, bye." Um, and this is seriously like she she's trying to get out forever, and and we see. Geiger, yeah, just go bat ass, dude. He's and, trying and to, use, he's trying to grab her. He's trying to grab Frau, he, but he can't because of the chains. But he, he's stuck because of the chains. He uses one of the manacles to break the thumb on his other hand, dude. And it looks great. It his, looks awesome. And his hands <laughs> and his skin, which are already thrashed and covered in blood, and yeah. then he's just smashing his own thumb until it's just loose meat so that you can slip the, yeah. the manacle off. Disgusting. And again, it's the same thing as the corpse pool where it's like, nothing in the movie has looked that grim. So this yeah. really just like, blows your hair back, you know? Yeah, and it's all setting up for what's about to happen. Yeah, so uh, he escapes, he, pr- he grabs Frau, puts her in the old, I think he put her in the million dollar dream there for a second. I believe so. He did. He went dead deviasi on him. And then and, he uh, <laughs> tackles her, punches her in the face a bunch. And Jennifer gets out uh, of the pool. She gets rinsed off by some clean water from a broken pipe, which, again, 
good setup there because they didn't want to show her covered in all that muck the rest of the movie. So clean water, rinsed her off on the way out. Pretty good setup there. Yeah. And uh, she's dismayed and she, and she runs off. She gets into a hallway Yeah, that has four cells. Uh, and, I mean, that's the only way to describe them as cells because they look like prison cells. Mm-hmm. And one of the doors is slightly open, and you can hear crying coming from inside the room. Like a kid. Yeah. And Jennifer Connolly, who is trying to escape uh, uh, a murderer, she is still so badass that she's like, all right, I'm trying to escape a murderer, but I hear a crying child. I'm going to save this crying child. Yeah. She's like, I know that this person has a kid. So I'm at least going to get him away from this crazy frow. Yeah. Hashtag crazy so she, frow. She walks in, and the child, uh, I can't remember what he says. He says something about her hurting his mom or something. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm scared. I want you to go away. And there's like a mirror yeah. covered up with a sheet again in that yeah. room. Uh, and there's no way to describe this. I It has to be seen to be believed, but... The child turns around and has the face. I just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a double cleft palette with these like fangs and just, just spittle running out of the mouth and this big head on this little body. Yeah. Uh, it, and there are maggots on the face. Yeah. Just maggots. Not helping his glowing personality out. No. And it's, it's like his course... face is somewhere in between like a fish and like a goat and just awful things. It kind of also looks like um Jason in the first Friday the thirteenth, who we only yeah. see Jason Voorhees at the very end when he pops up. Of course. And, yeah, and it's this decomposed sort of face. Kind of looks like that, but of course not decomposed. Yeah. And sidebar, what's the explanation for the kid looking all fucked up? All right. Okay, so here's my theory. So she's working at the insane asylum. Wow. Uh, and when she says she was assaulted, yeah. on, on Wikipedia, the Italian and the English versions both say that she was raped. Okay. So when she's saying is assaulted, she means raped. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this child is the child of that crazy guy. Yeah, Scarface um, guy. And it, this just comes from a real old idea behind uh, what causes deformations in children. Mm. Uh, if a woman is distressed when she gets pregnant, Whoa. the child will come out deformed. This is so, like mega wives' tale, not based on reality whatsoever. Yeah, not based on reality at all, but this movie, in this reality, it, it appears to be true. Whoa. Um, now, also, this is, this is a 15-year-old, from what we learned, or yeah, 14 at yeah, least. Yeah, you're right, but he looks like he's like 8. He looks like a little kid. Yeah, and there were those toys in the, yeah. the other... So, like, he, I guess maybe not developed entirely, Yeah, but... Uh, she said he has crazy thoughts. Yeah. Now, what is it he's saying to her that she's like, oh, this is insane. Because <laughs> She's I mean, like, she... I'm totally normal. I know crazy yeah. when I hear it. Um, 
But I thought, at this moment, I thought, oh, God, you know, we find out the kid is deformed. So what? Like, that's, you know, he's deformed. Sucks. Yeah, sure. But what does this mean? Jennifer Connelly, of course, sees this and runs away, (laughs) as anyone would. Right. This is uh, the face, uh, the face of someone who should not be loved. I'll say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so she she runs off, and, uh, and she runs off. There's to, like, a lake this boat dock. Yeah, she runs off to like yeah, a boat there's... dock. And the soundtrack again is going completely mental at this point. She gets in the boat. It's awesome. Oh, dude, it's so sick. She gets in the boat. <laughs> she's starting the motor and stuff, and then we see. The kid is chasing after her with that elaborate spear rig that we've seen the whole movie. Which I yeah, guess is so, like the reason it's so elaborate and long and snapped together is because a kid is because he's so small. Yeah. yeah. He is so small. So tiny. <laughs> and so she's trying to get away in a boat. And seriously, the moment I saw that face, like I got that chilling feeling all over me. Like the my hairs on my arms stood up just like, ah, like it was so shocking. Yeah. But it was even more shocking when he's in the boat uh, to get away from the dock and he jumps in with the yeah. spear. Ugh. And it, like at that moment, I'm thinking there's no way out of this. Like, how is she gonna get away? But he, he spears the, the gas tank. Yeah. Which we will find out later, apparently contained hundreds of gallons of gas. <laughs> anyway, spears the gas tank. She jumps. Uh, oh, wait, no. She calls on bugs, I guess. Dude, yeah, because you get that cool-looking shot of the full moon out, and then she screams, yeah. and then these these bugs fly in such a dense number that it, like, blacks out the moon, which, again, kind of like the school I was seeing earlier, looks badass. It looks It's awesome. so cool. Yeah. And this swarm of flies descends on uh, on the weird kid and just thrash the shit out of him. Yeah. They're eating at his face, and I guess, like, at a moment, he, he reaches up maybe to sort of swat them away and comes away with a large portion of his own face. He's just peeling his own loose flesh off of his face. Uh-huh. So and brutal. It's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. And he falls she, out of the she boat. She jumps out of the boat. Yeah, he falls out. Um, she tries to she start can't... the boat back up. There's that moment of just, like, placidity and silence where she's kind of sitting in the in the dark in the boat and then she's like well that was weird let's head out and she tries to start the boat and the motor like fucks off and blows up I guess because there's gas leaking all over it or something like this so the motor yeah. like explodes and um, the the gas that's on the lake turns into Ignites. an inferno <laughs> yeah she she jumps in the water and she's swimming underwater awesome and, underwater and you just, shots you awesome just underwater. know that it's gonna happen, and it does. She gets Voorheed. She gets Voorheed, grabbed, grabbed by the ankle, by uh, a child that now has no face. Yeah, he's the old faceless. He's a um, yeah. corpse face killer, would be his rap name. <laughs> he's looking pretty she, shot, but he still wants to take her down. She, she escapes his grasp and goes up to the surface, and he does too. And just as he does that, the the fire engulfs him. He burns up. 
She gets out. She got up on the wet side, and he got up on the on the more fiery side. Yeah. Uh, she she gets out, and as she's getting away, Shapiro shows up. Yeah, <laughs> Don't dude. Don't know how he knew to look there, but Shapiro shows up. And Shapiro shows up playing the role of Scatman Crothers in The Shining. Yes. <laughs> because he is immediately murdered as soon as he gets there. With a sign. the Out of nowhere, Frau Bruckner with, I guess, a sharp sign. It looked to me Just like a piece of, like, it looked like a piece of sheet metal, like, from, like, yeah. tin roofing or something like that. Just slices his fucking head off with a piece of sheet metal. <laughs> and like, she... she... What is the it's thought just... process of Dario where it's like, okay, and she needs to kill Shapiro. What could she kill him with? Let's see. Oh. Maybe she could bash him over the head with a rock. No, that's too common. You know? I got it. A piece of fucking sheet metal. I mean, and it's one of those things that's so random and so brutal that it does actually seem really fucking savage that this crazy lady is like, I'm going to grab whatever I can and use it to kill this guy, regardless of how yeah. illogical it is. Sheet metal yeah. will be, it'll do the job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she gets, she gets on to Jennifer Connelly. She's on top of her. Um, and she has the sheet metal at her neck. And oh. there's a little bit of f- fake blood on the neck. It or, looks I, I don't know. Rough. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it looks rough. Uh, having it that does. Having metal pressed about her neck. That's no, that's no yeah. place I want to be. No. Um, I, I, we already saw what that metal can do. <laughs> so, um, and looks like there's no escape from this. And at that point, there's Frau no was way. like, he was my son, and you killed him, and I'm now I'm going to avenge him. Which, yes. Okay. It's like, does it really give as much story as for why you're crazy or why he's crazy or where any of this stuff came from? But, all right. But then, oh my God. Dude. <laughs> Primal rage. Primate vengeance. Dude. Out of nowhere, here is Inga with her, her straight razor she found earlier. Coming in hot. She slit. She slits Frau Bruckner's throat. Yeah. And is like screaming chimp rage really it's hard the like whole time. Insane. Like primal. So... <laughs> she is a, seriously the best actor in this movie. Oh, yeah. And it's crazy, Absolutely. too, that, like, you know, it's like, in addition to all the stuff that you've just seen, because really, the last, like, not that any other part of the movie is normal, but especially the last 20 or 30 minutes of the flick, basically after she gets to Frau's house, like, all bets yeah. are off. Shit comes off the rails. Yeah. You know, at that point, like, the fact that this chimp appears out of nowhere and slits yeah. her with a razor, you're like, yeah, that totally works. Like, it doesn't even really take you aback that much. It really seems to kind of make sense because Dario has drawn, <laughs> he's drawn you in to his world of absolute insanity so hard that that actually makes sense and is a great conclusion for the movie. Yeah, and you know what? That actually makes me think that like so many of the so many of the small things that do get followed up on and then so many of the larger things that don't get followed up on are all set up to sort of 
keep you in suspense at the end because I really sincerely did not expect Inga to show up. I thought, no. oh, oh, that that storyline's over. She found a straight razor. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, look, but I mean that has happened so many times in the movie that it would just be like, oh, okay. So you're really not expecting it when it happens. No. Nah. <laughs> Good God, though, it's so awesome. It is. It's ridiculously awesome. And then so basically, uh, Jen and the chimp just kind of have a little hug, and that's the end yeah. of the movie. <laughs> end of movie. So good though. So it's good. Awesome. To end it right there. Like perfect. Don't don't waste any time telling us anything else. This yeah. is perfect. Yeah. Like they could have shown her damn flying back home to the states with her new pet monkey on the plane. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know it's like. That- and if they would have, that's how that's how it would have happened if they made this movie today. And the chimp oh, yeah. would have been CGI. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And then, uh, like right at the end, though, because this is how shitty horror movies are today. Yeah, the camera would have panned like into the the airplane to the chimp's eye, and yeah. we would see rage in its eye. <laughs> There could be a sequel. Dude, I loved I loved the movie. I thought that it was absolutely fantastic. I would watch it very, 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 very many times over. Um, yeah. There was so much stuff in it that was illogical and didn't make any sense. All the stuff that we talked about where things seem important but have no follow-through, like her whole sleepwalking thing, which at the end does not matter at all. No. Her whole no, you know, supposed all. split personality thing, which has zero relevance yeah. whatsoever. Um, there's a lot of things in the movie that are set up that are just never followed through on. But to me, that combined with the really weird acting and really weird dialogue and just weird lapses of logic and stuff in the movie, I don't know. It has this surreal, dreamy thing going on which is something that i love in movies it's not really used very often because it just kind of it doesn't connect with a lot of people and i could totally see how somebody could watch this movie and they'd be like yeah the acting and dialogue are horrible and it doesn't make any sense i could understand somebody seeing this movie and saying that but to me there's something in it that is this surreal dreamy i think a lunatic made this (laughs) quality and there, there's that feature in music and stuff a lot of times, too, where you're like, somebody that isn't all there made this, and that makes it really, really, really awesome to me. Because yeah. uh, it's ideas that I would never have. It's paths that I would never take. Uh, yeah. Huge risks that wouldn't make any sense to any sane person. And I really yeah. love seeing that in movies. Yeah, he the level of creativity in this is off the charts yeah. i mean i watching this i can't think in that way right um on my i can see i can see it and recognize how amazing it is that he he lets things just die yeah. he lets parts of the story just die he makes small things into big things it's not like i i can't think that way but to see it it's inspiring certainly they're they're risks that nobody else would take because to everybody else they don't make sense yeah so yeah i really love this movie too i would highly recommend it yeah the soundtrack Um, is off the charts the soundtrack by goblin is fucking Uh, 
awesome. And Goblin also, and again, this being the first Argento movie that I've watched, I can't say with any type of authority, but it's like I know that Goblin also did the soundtrack for Suspiria, which I know is another one of Argento's other yeah. huge movies, which is one we'll have yeah. to watch. Um, I've heard it is also super dreamy and surreal and doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I already think that I'm going to love it. But Goblin did some soundtrack stuff on that too. And I've listened to the soundtrack for Suspiria and it sounds insane. Um, (laughs) I love the soundtrack work on this movie. I thought it was really cool. Even though there were parts where like, like that Castlevania sound and stuff during that one scene where she's just following a firefly. It's like, this is weirdly out of place, but I still liked it. It was really cool. It, it added to just the general madness that was that movie. Yeah. Cinematography um, was awesome. Amazing. And all all of the effects, all the practical effects are really good. Yeah, I mean, it was. And, you know, stuff that, like, would have been easy for it to look really shot, like at the first yeah. of the movie where the girl's head falls into the waterfall. Yeah. You know, it would have been easy for that to look really bad, but they did it in such a way that it's a really far away shot where you don't see, per se, that it's a mannequin head. And then other stuff like um, like the knife going through the girl's mouth earlier in the movie. Yeah. It's like it's shown very quickly or from such an angle that you can't quite tell. It's very yeah. clever use of special effects to keep you from knowing that it's fake. Yes, it's a uh, yeah. It's it's intel and a lot of uh, slasher films, uh, especially American slasher films yeah. from the eighties. I guess a lot of the the feeling on those sets, uh, I would assume, is probably more of a we're having a fun time making this movie, and so you get a lot of these shots, I guess, of of, of effects that they probably thought looked pretty good, so mm-hmm. they they kind of pause on them. Right, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, I worked hard on this. It shows the audience how bad this. it really looks. Right, yeah. right. Uh, yeah, the gore special effects and stuff were were really awesome. And, you know, let me let me ask you, because this is something that I always want to kind of ask about these movies when we watch them. Because considering mm-hmm. this is all kind of going to be based around horror movies and scary movies and stuff, would you yeah. say that this was a scary movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, The as I said, the the moment that... Uh, we get the reveal of the the sun and what he looks like, and then and the moment when the the sun jumps into the the boat, those are both scenes that just viscerally made me react. Yeah. Um, which is what I would say uh, is the height of fear. <laughs> and it's, it's uh, cool I too because those uh, scenes I, you're talking about take place so late in the movie that by then That's you've true. almost kind of been lulled into thinking, oh, this isn't really going to be that scary of a movie. Yeah, it's more of a thriller or a mystery or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. For for me, it was like when it when it hit the uh, the corpse pool, which is of course the scene right yeah. before what you're talking about. Oh, and I was God. like, yeah, oh my God, this movie is going horrendous places. But then at the same time too, man, like there were other st- other shots in the movie, like the fly cam shot where the, the fly led you down into the floorboards to see the severed hand. Uh, oh, yeah. When you saw that, weren't you like, oh, I understand where David Lynch got a lot of his ideas from. That could have oh, been absolutely. in Blue Velvet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Which again, that yeah, guy's this... movies, like a lot, of, a lot of Lynch's stuff has that dream feel I'm talking about yeah. where it's these 
weird, non-logical, non-realistic choices that occur only in your, you know, fucking subconscious when you dream. That yeah. that's so hard to tap into and do it right. And I got a lot of that vibe from this movie too. That weird David Lynch thing that's hard to pinpoint but freaks me out because it reminds me of dreams. Yeah, I yeah. That's what I was thinking watching it too. I was thinking of David Lynch. Uh, I was thinking also a bit of Cronenberg. Uh, mm, yeah. Uh, Cronenberg's more body horror, but he he does follow that uh, surreal feeling. And um, so yeah, that, Dario Argento is definitely now on my list of people to watch. Yeah. Uh, anything he's done, I'm I'm gonna watch it, and you know I'm sure he's done some bad stuff too. But this is certainly a good one. Yeah, definitely so. I'm very, very interested to see some of his other stuff, especially from around this time period, to see if it's just as good. Because I know whenever I hear people talk about Argento, they talk about uh, Suspiria, they talk about opera, and I never uh-huh. really hear people mention Phenomena that much. So the thought yeah. that this is kind of, you know, popularly looked at as one of his, you know, not as great of an achievement to some of his other ones it really makes me excited to see those two, to see how good they are. Um, although I did read an interview where Argento said that this was possibly his favorite work that he did. Yeah. It's, yeah. I I can't say anything more about it than it's amazing. Yeah, but, I definitely yeah. recommend watching it. I'm, su- I'm surprised yeah. I hadn't heard more about it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I guess we're closing up here. Yeah. Next you movie can, that uh, we're gonna do, I, I I'm not quite sure what we're gonna do, but I do know that we we did both recently watch Pumpkinhead. That's true, and Pumpkinhead is definitely worth talking about. Hell yeah! So we might do that one on the next episode. Um, until then, stay tuned, and we'll both post about this next episode coming up on our own social media outlets. Uh, hopefully, by the time we get the next episode up, we'll have specific social media for our dead and lovely podcast so you'll be able to find us on twitter and uh instagram and uh yahoo geo cities and, and all that kind of stuff yeah angel fire yeah angel fire is be kind of our, our main base so probably by next episode we'll have some more information about that stuff to give you but in the meantime you can follow me on instagram and twitter at ben eller guitars that's all one word b-e-n-e-l-l-e-r-g-u-i-t-a-r S. Steve, where can they follow you? Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Steven Spratling. Steven Spratling. So keep with keep up with us on there for updates about when the next episode will be up, and uh, we'll let you guys know about it then. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening to our debut episode here where we kind of gave you a, a little bit of origin story and then broke down a, a great flick, which I really hope that you guys enjoy watching. Uh, I know that we did, too. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Cheers, guys. Take it easy. Bye-bye.